from the Tulsa world. This is the OSU Sports Extra Podcast, sponsored by Albert G's Barbecue. Here are your hosts, Dean Rule and Jawan Lee. Season 3, Episode 8 of the OSU Sports Extra Podcast. Jawan Lee, I'm joined here again by my co-host, Dean Rule, and we wish we could come to you with some happier times, but... That's not the case this week. Um, Oklahoma State loses to South Alabama in what some would say is a little bit of a shocker. But we had our concerns heading into this game, and they kind of came to fruition Saturday. Um, what did you think about Saturday, Dean? I think first things first, Juwan, you're being a little nice just calling it a loss. Um, <laughs> I think mean, you could substitute that for South Alabama dominated OSU. <laughs> Maybe you make a case they embarrassed OSU. Point being, um, yeah, there were concerns that me and you have been voicing for a couple weeks now. It all kind of came together this Saturday, and it leaves OSU in an interesting spot, to say the least, as they enter conference play this week. Right, and again, 33-7 loss, super lopsided, dominated another game where they went with the three quarterback rotation, not, not much could get going and not to bury the lead. But Mike Gundy said again this week that they will be sticking with the three quarterback rotation. Um, Whether that's a, (laughs) whether that's a positive or not, I don't know, but how do you feel about another week that they're going to stick with three quarterbacks? Yeah, I think I'll stick with, with what I've, what I said the past two weeks. I think, think you can get away with it, but this is it. This is the final week I think you can do it um, if you're OSU. I, I think the problem that they that they ran into on Saturday and they're going to run into in the future is there's no cohesion when you keep rotating these guys in and out. Um, and on top of that, I think it doing this also lends... It's it, it to a, a bit of a messy situation, and that also happened Saturday, where uh, you know when one guy's not playing the best, the fans are going to let the team know that they want the next guy to come in, and, and you know there were boo, there were there were loud boos, Juwan, at Boone Piggin Stadium on Saturday, and there was a louder ovation when Gunnar Gundy eventually came in to replace um, Alan Bowman. So I think. It, it, it's creating a bit of a sticky situation um, for OSU. And I think if, if they want to do it, you know, two weeks ago, I said they should, OSU should be 4-0 by the time they play Kansas State. They're, that is not possible anymore. Um, <laughs> you could still end up 3-1 and one heading into your bye week. And that's the other reason I think if you want, if you really feel the need that this needs to happen for one more game, fine. But by the time you hit that bye week, this needs to be decided. And that's not just at quarterback. That's across the board at all. You know, you you have the transport. You, you want to have this, this open competition in a way at, at all these positions. If that's what you feel you need to do, I'm, I'm not a coach. If that's what you feel you need to do, I guess do it. But this all needs to be solved by the time that that bye week passes. Um and I think the fans are kind of letting letting OSU know that they don't like this, right? And I'm probably right. I, I'm probably giving more 
leniency than, than any fan out there um, because they have been very vocal about um, what's going on when it comes to social media uh, th- this week. And I, I think those frustrations are warranted. Um, but I also think you, you it's a give and take in, in, in a little bit. Like, I think you got to let them do what they feel is correct. But if you're a fan, yeah, you, you're, you're allowed to be, you're rightfully allowed to be pissed because we're being, I mean, frankly, John, they got their teeth kicked in on Saturday at home. <laughs> in, you know, I, I always think the craziest, one of the craziest things about college athletics and these non-conference games, when a group of five comes in, you know, the power five school is paying this team to come. Right, and then who's that? And you pay. It's it's just not a good look, right? But the it was being, robbery. It was robbery. Yeah. Is what it was. <laughs> so there, there's there there needs to be a resolution soon. And you know, I asked my Gundy after the game. I said, "Well, hey, if you're splitting this up into thirds, right? With, with the, the time you're giving to each quarterback, you're splitting the game up into thirds. Is there a reason you would pull a guy before his third of the game is over? And and he didn't really have an answer for that because he said, well, we haven't ran into that issue yet. Um, hmm. But that's, point being, that's very- I, I think it's time. The experiment is over, right? Right. I think if they, if they were 4-0 after, through these first four games, you could say, okay, Maybe it's not what I would have done, but they still won the games. You have now lost, not just lost the game, you have been blown out in a game using this system. The experiment is over. It is time to just pick one. So going over, so going over some stats, we have Alan Bowman, six of twelve, forty-two yards and an interception. Gunner Gundy, nine of eighteen, sixty-four yards. Um positive on that end was he rushed the ball 10 times for 27 yards. So, I mean, that gave the offense a little bit of boost. And then you had Garrett Rangel that was one of five for 80 yards. Collectively, this quarterback group was 16 of 35 for 114 yards. Now, even if there was one person starting 16 of 35, less than a 50% completion rate and 114 yards, 3.3 average. Is the stats as bad as it seems? If you just read that box score, and I know it may sound crazy because they lost 33 to 7, but if you just read that box score of 16 of 35 for 114 yards, did the quarterback group really play that awful Saturday? Yeah, I, I think no matter what stat you choose to pick from this game, um, it does not paint OSU in a good light. Um, what's interesting by that Gunner Gundy rushing number is he was. He he had ten rushes for a gain of fifty-two yards, but then he would he lost twenty-five yards. I believe it was just on two sacks. They were big sacks. He I remember he lost big yards on both of them. Um, so I think I think he just took two. He might have taken three. Uh, let's see. Oh, I won't waste time looking for how many sacks he had, but but he took a couple sacks, and so that dropped him down to that twenty-seven. But What's interesting about what Mike Gundy said yesterday is, well, hey, the, the quarterback draw could help balance things out offensively. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be something that they're going to look into. Well, that gives Gunnar Gundy a clear advantage 
Um, right. You know, Garrett, Garrett Rangel can run the ball, and um, Mike Gundy said Alan Bowman did it at Texas Tech to, to some degree, but um, I think as people are going to learn on, on the, the back half of this podcast, along with our guest, is Alan Bowman is a pocket guy. You know, mobility is not his strength. Whereas Gunnar Gundy's, I, I, I would make the argument Gunnar Gundy's the most mobile quarterback they have. And if you're going to now prioritize quarterback draw, that gives Gunnar Gundy an advantage. That might be the first substantial advantage this season when it comes to this three-quarterback system. And frankly, OSU does need to change something up because offensively, this is not working. Now, you said they need to change something up. But the quote that was floated out there around Twitter, and if you just take it as face value, is when Mike Gundy said, I don't think we have any major problems. Now, you know that <laughs> that caused everybody in the comment section to to go crazy. When you heard that quote, offer me some context behind that. So it's interesting. And I was thinking about this before Monday, um, before his press conference. I said, Mike Gundy is in a losing battle today. Because no matter what he says, people are going to be pissed. Because he, he says what he says. is There's no major problems. Well, people are upset about that. But had he said the inverse and he said, yeah, we've got these major problems. We're not going to be able to fix them. You know, th- this season is <laughs> over effectively. Then people are going to be upset about that too. But but yeah, in the context of what he said, how he said that is, he feels every... It's not that they don't have big problems. I think it's more so they have problems that they feel they can still fix, okay. thus making the problem not a major problem. Um, I, I So I think they have major problems, but they still think they can fix them. Um, only time will tell on that. I, I don't think the confidence level would be super high on some of those things. Um, you know, I, I think offensively, I would, if I were the coach, and Juwan, that's a big if because that that <laughs> as I've always said, that is not a job I would envy. Um, <laughs> I think the, simply just streamline this offense, right? Pick a quarterback and just run it through Ollie Gordon, Brennan Presley, and Dazon Stribling. Now, Dazon Stribling, uh, um, he got injured. He, he missed all but the first drive on Saturday, but they're saying he's progressing fine. He could play against Iowa State, but even if he doesn't, point being, I think if this offense gets streamlined a little bit so they can get it kick-started early, it once again goes back to, okay, the open competition, it needs to come to an end, right? Right. The experiment, well, right. you did it, it's over. Now you just, now do what you have to do to win. Um. But I still think one of the bigger issues that they're going to deal with is that offensive line. And if if that can get fixed, that that helps a ton. I think that is the biggest problem they're dealing with, and I do not know if that can be fixed at this point. Right, and... If I think most people, because it's just so out there in the headlines and it's just the easiest thing to dissect because you're looking at it with this quarterback rotation. If most people feel that the quarterback is the main issue right now, the run game in this offensive line is right behind it. 
And I know we talked last week. I mean, you even had Ollie Gordon as, you know, one of your players to watch and somebody that you thought could really take hold of this um, of the of this running back committee. And he did. I mean, nine carries led all running backs, but 31 yards, no touchdowns. Um, when you talk about problems and major issues that can possibly be corrected, do you feel this run game and this offensive line is something that can be corrected as we continue to progress through the season? I think – well, hold on, Juwan. You you read off Elijah Collins' uh, stat line. Okay. Ollie yeah, Gordon I'm sorry. Three Ollie carries Gordon. for 12 yards. Right. Thank you for that two correction. catches – so, yeah, three for 12 on, on rushing and two for 13 on receptions. Right. Um, the run game – no, if you add in the context that Mike Gundy provided, I think – people get a better understanding of what they dealt with. And so it's pretty much what Mike Gundy said is because they didn't start off rushing the ball. They went a very pass heavy attack and then they fell behind. And so they went pass heavy because South Alabama would, would pull an extra defender into the box to, to kind of force OSU to throw outside. And he said, and, and Mike Gundy was saying, well, when Tulane played South Alabama, Tulane was able to hit the deep ball and force them to, to, to spread out more. OSU was unable to do that. So it, South Alabama did a, a good job at shutting down the run. But that's also no excuse to, to not be able to rush the ball, right? It, it's all about balance. And OSU just never achieved that. And when you don't do that, there's all kinds of problems that, that come with that. But regardless, let's see, how many handoffs did they have? They had... 19 27 rushes 29 rushes and a good chunk of that was gunner gundy but um ollie gordon should should never unless he gets hurt ollie gordon should never only rush the ball three times i think he's somebody when you talk about talent and i think a lot of this is when we talk about making things easier a lot of this is just getting the ball into the hands of your talent. And OSU struggled to do that, you know, because Brandon Presley did not have the most memorable game either. You know, I think if you take your most talented guys and you just give them the ball and you streamline this offense to where it is just get the best, get the ball into your best player's hands, maybe that, maybe that only works in theory, Juwan. Once again, I'm not a coach. <laughs> Maybe that only works in theory, but I think that's just the smart thing to do going forward. You know, pick a quarterback and just run your offense through your whoever you feel your top three, four, five guys are. Just run your offense through that. So, so this is my question after listening to that and just looking over their stats in totality. So we have Alan Bowman at 235 yards passing, Gunnar Gundy at 202, Garrett Ringel at 172. Now you can correct me if I'm wrong, but the feeling that I'm getting is the quarterback competition is kind of boiling down to Alan Bowman and Gunnar Gundy. Why not just stick with those two and let them each play a half instead of extending it to three quarterbacks and we're going with this forward you know, four drives and out, five drives and out type of thing. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, once again, it's, it's back to the main point. Pick one. You just got to pick one. Who gives you your best chance to win? Go with that. And 
it's interesting. You you know, since January, when Mike Gundy's talked about the transfer portal, it, it's he says all these things, and I come up with a different answer than what than what he gives, right? You know, it's the transfer portal's here to stay. Every season, no matter what, you're going to lose guys and you're going to bring guys in, right? And so right. I get so you take all that and and it, and it adds up to you, you know. Well, we're going to give everybody a fair chance to to play here, which I think is that's smart, that's that's reasonable, that makes sense. But at what point? Because you know, no matter what you do, you're going to lose guys. At what point do you just decide? Okay, we've given everybody their chance. Now it's time to just you know, the 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 crux, the whole reason we do this, Juwan. <laughs> is to win a football game. Right. Right. And well, OSU just got knocked out um you know three days ago. So why is it not just put out your best guys to win? Because if you're gonna lose guys anyway, I get wanting to accommodate, but if you're gonna lose anyway, why not just put out the group you think is gonna win? Exactly. And you know, looking at that and kind of, you know, trying to look at things on the other side of the ball, I think one of the big things that you hit on last week was this was going to be the most physical team that they played. And if you look at South Alabama's rushing numbers, I mean, in total, 47 rushes for 243 yards. Their leading rusher, LaDamian Webb, 18 carries for 151 yards. They were physical out there. And Mike Gundy even spoke about it a little bit. What did you see from the offensive side for South Alabama. Oh, well, I'll say this to start. If OSU, if OSU continues playing the the way that they do right now, I would be flabbergasted if they have a running back finish with 151 yards this year. Right. Right. Um, and I granted, I mean, like 40% of those yards came from a one touchdown run late in the game. But point being, they OSU, or South Alabama was able to run the ball effectively, unlike OSU, right? They, I mean, it started out, they were just getting, you know, four yards, five yards, six yards, and then those just started turning into chunk plays. I mean, when you rush, they rushed the ball 47 times, Juwan. Their quarterback, I mean, 16 attempts. He just had to sit back and <laughs> hand it off. And every once in a while, I mean, 10 of 16 for 152 yards and two touchdowns. And, you know, they were – that's almost what OSU needs as they're dealing with this quarterback thing. Effective run game. And then you put – you set the quarterback up to not have to, to always make the play. Because when, when, when Carter Bradley, the South Alabama quarterback, when he dropped back, well, he hit – he hit a 39-yard touchdown pass, a 65-yard – or a, no, 57-yard touchdown pass. And, I mean, he, he just played effective because he had an effective run game in front of him. And OSU's defense got caught flat-footed a couple times in, in the secondary, and, and that's why you see those numbers. But, yeah, they were not prepared. I don't uh, – I won't say they weren't prepared um, because – talking to as many people as you could it's it sounded like they were ready for south alabama's physicality but south alabama just out executed um osu and and that's why you see the results you see 
Yeah, I I totally agree with that. And, you know, again, fans are going to have their super overreactions about this game. But what I do feel is a major sense of disappointment as you end it non-conference play. I don't feel as if I learned more about this team in a positive light than I did a week ago. Is that what do you feel like you learned from this game? If if anything. Yeah, it, it's it is disappointing. And I think. Well, I mean, we joked about it a couple of weeks ago. Really, Juwan, like people get people overreact on, on Twitter and social <laughs> media. Um, and, and so, yeah, there are there are definitely overreactions. Um, but I think overall, the the main issues have been this was a disappointing loss. This was not a game they should have lost. And I think Fangler mostly appears to be upset at the comments Mike Gundy has made uh, throughout this, this, this loss. Um, So I think it's, it it is very disappointing. I think from a fan perspective, and I think that is what they're upset about because this is not like last year where they were coming off a Fiesta Bowl win against Notre Dame. This is now, that terrible back end of last year. And now I think people are, are losing patience thinking this might be the start of another bad season. Right. And, and I think that's where a lot of the frustration comes from. Uh, rightfully so. And I think people just want more definitive um, decision-making from, from OSU's coaching staff. Do you feel the game goes any differently if they already have the quarterback situation figured out? Or do you feel that because we've talked about the quarterback issue, you know, so much, we've covered it so much that it has kind of overshadowed some other deficiencies on this team? I think it helps. um, But I still don't know if they win that game. Mike Gundy said he he would like another crack at at South Alabama. (laughs) I still don't know. I mean, at the end of the day, the defense let up 33 points. Um, And, you know, this was by no means an offensive shootout. But, yeah, I I think quarterback, a, a single quarterback helps. But, there are still some areas that need to be cleaned up big time. If you could give me just three positives for fans that are are feeling down as on the day we're recording, this is Tuesday, <laughs> three, three positives that you took from this game. Three positives. Okay. Let's see. <laughs> we'll say, um, Jaden Bray and Talon Chatron played pretty well. Uh, and those were two younger underclassmen, wide receivers that were talked about a lot in the offseason. And with with Dazon Stribling exiting early, Chatron stepped up. He he made some some decent plays. Uh there was the miscue though on that Alan Bowman interception uh, that ooh, 
is a negative, but uh, I, I think Jane Bray's really stepped up nicely through these first three games and, and is something, I guess, to be positive about. Um, oh, let's see, Juwan. That's only one. <laughs> I got to find two more. <laughs> it, try to try to get us there. Try to get us there, Dean. Uh, let's see. They scored on their only red zone chance. That's not that great of a that's not that great of a positive. <laughs> they had good punting. If if you're if you're a special teams fan, I, I think the, the <laughs> punting was was I, I honestly like a little bit what they're doing with their their punting. They have a guy that can just boot it and just flip the field. <laughs> then they have another guy who's who can um just kind of you know, if you're around midfield and you're punting, he's able to just drop it in super deep. Um so it's kind of interesting what they're doing. Uh, if you're big on, uh, maybe Bill Belichick would like that. He's a, you know special teams guy. Um, oh boy, I gotta find one more. <laughs> you know, Dean, as you as you, as you search for that last positive, I asked just to make the make the point of this is what makes this game so disappointing is that. Not only did you lose in a lopsided fashion, you were at you were out physical. You don't know any much more about this about this quarterback situation. Your run game stinks right now. And it's just not a lot that you can carry over to next week to say, well, okay, if we can just get this quarterback situation under control, there's an upward trajectory for this team. And I just don't feel that. Cause it's one thing, it's one thing to lose. And I believe I seen a stat that they had won like 19 non-conference games in a row. So that streak was ended Saturday. So not only did that happen to you, but you just, you did not look like the better team at all. Like you just did not look like the better team out there. That's what's so like dismal about what happened on Saturday is like, you can't there's nothing yeah there's there's barely anything you can take away and say okay well osu lost but this 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 and this went right right uh, my third one i'm gonna go with juan and it's barely a third one uh <laughs> over 10 tackles and a sack it looks like they're they're starting to figure out how to use him in this defense, and I think that should be somewhat positive for for fans who because because Colin Oliver can be a difference maker, and, and it seems like they're they're finally figuring that out um, how how to properly use him in in the position they're playing him in. But yeah, no, the, I know after the 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 post game podcast, which I recorded like an hour and a half after the final kick or the final play. Um, I think it was two weeks. It was after the central Arkansas game, Juwan, we talked about, well, where do you put the concern level at? And I think we agreed and we put out a poll on Twitter and it seemed that the concern level on a scale of one to 10 from fans. And then what me and you put it at was somewhere between a six to an eight. Right. And on Saturday, Juwan, I know you weren't there, so it's I unofficially moved it up to a nine point five. And yeah, yeah, it's. And I even asked, I, I asked fans, and I got some emails, and some of them were people, you know, being a little smart. But 
I asked, you know, what is OSU's identity? Like, what do you all feel it is? And so I got some some great emails on that. And, and some people had some pretty insightful stuff. And a lot of it's what, what we've talked about, you know, give the ball to the talent, you know, make the, the coaching decisions need to be better. I mean, Mike Gundy has said in, Juwan, we've seen three games. And in two of, after two of them, he has said that the other team outcoached them. Hmm. That's not what you want to hear. No, you know. That's not that's not that's not what you want to hear at all from from your coach. You still is trying to figure this thing out. And I I I guess the kind of funny thing about it is, and you know, again, social media has its pros and cons, but I seen one thing on the OSU <laughs> social media page. They had just posted just like a random graphic or something. And somebody immediately in the comment section was like, stop tweeting, fire someone. Yeah. And <laughs> and you know, at that at that point, you just kind of have to laugh about it because fans, they just reach for anybody to kind of voice their frustrations out on. So, you know, that just kind of made me remember that when you said, you know, you kind of got some emails from some people and they were kind of being smart, but they're looking for anybody to voice their frustrations at, because again, this wasn't just a loss. This was a domination. This was quietness in the stadium before the booze erupted. Like this was, this was terrible. And I'm looking at the, I'm looking at ESPN's analytics. Now they they're giving OSU a 35% chance to win next week against a one and two Iowa state team. And and that right there, I think, you know, if OSU wants to to right this ship, here's your perfect opportunity. You're starting conference play against an Iowa State team that is not good, that is dealing with issues off the field. You can go in there, and if you stomp stomp the Cyclones out and you play a good game of football, I think that can kind of alleviate. Like, there is so much tension because I'll say, I'll say this, Juwan. I think fans always get the short end of the stick today. And I don't mean that just like at OSU. I mean just in general. Right. Because if you, if you want to go, you know, if you're working 40 hours a week and over the weekend you want to go wherever you live, to an NFL game, a MLB game, NBA, anything, college football, college basketball, you got to buy that ticket and ticket prices are only going up. Right. <laughs> and let's say you want to buy something from the concession saying, well, that's expensive too, or you want to buy a beer or you want to do and like fans are the ones who are constantly asked to like pay more money and do more. And so, yeah, I think, I think when fans want to voice their frustrations, it's great because I think they have earned a voice at the table. Um, but I think what can alleviate some of this tension is if OSU goes in, they, there's a clear and concise step toward improving these problem areas and they can beat up on a, on a not that great Iowa state team. I think that's a, and, and then it, that builds into the bye week and then you come out of that bye week and these things better be cleaned up. And I think if they do that, there's, there's maybe a little bit of a, like a sigh of relief, but if they lose this game, Juwan, Ooh, this might be, I, I thought Kansas State might be the most important game of the season. Well, OU was the most important game of the season, but K-State was going to be a good indicator of what OSU was. I think this Iowa State game might be crucial. I think this if they lose that, if they go two, I think the difference between a good win against Iowa State and your 3-1 and one going into the bye week is 
infinitely better than you're two and two going into your bye week and you've lost against two teams that you shouldn't have. A hundred percent. And as you said earlier, this is this has to be the last week that you're going with three quarterbacks. It has to be the last week. But one of the one of the good things about this is we have a special guest coming up, head coach Richard Bishop down there in Palestine, Texas. He's coaching the Westwood Panthers. They're off to a four and no start, so they're not having much of a quarterback issue down there. Um, <laughs> but he's going to be able to give us a little bit insight on what it was like to coach Alan Bowman back in high school, where he was his offensive coordinator at Grapevine. So we're we're excited to have him on the show. Um, any final comments before we before we get to Alan Bowman, Dean? I don't think so. I said let's let's roll this interview. We're back for the second half of the OSU Sports Extra podcast. We said earlier that we had a special guest, but not only that, it's our first guest on the podcast, and it's Westwood Panther head coach Richard Bishop down there in Palestine, Texas. Coach, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Dwan. Appreciate you having us. We appreciate you taking time out to talk Oklahoma State football with us, especially in the midst of a busy high school football season for you down there in Texas. Today, we want to touch on the QB position at OSU, specifically Alan Bowman, who you were able to coach at Grapevine High School when you were his offensive coordinator. Start by giving me a little background on you and his relationship and what it was like experiencing him as a high school quarterback. Yeah, so... When I got to Grapevine, Alan Bowman was a uh, – in the spring of his eighth grade year. Uh, he was at Cross Timbers Middle School, which is uh, directly adjacent to, to Grapevine High. And we got there in April. Um, so, he – you know, uh, we got there late. I think it was at the end of spring ball. Uh, didn't, didn't get to do a whole lot of spring ball. And then, uh, you know, he was an incoming freshman that following fall. Uh, we had a quarterback – that we were pretty confident in named uh, Sam Barry, who actually went to air force. Um, but uh, we didn't really know we had about five quarterbacks in the room, but we really didn't know, uh, you know, kind of the future direction of, of the program um, until that fall, you know, uh, I didn't get to see Allen play as an eighth grader. I didn't get to really watch any film on him. So uh, we started him out on the freshman team and then, uh, you know, it wasn't it wasn't long before we you know we really realized what we had. Um, Sam Barry unfortunately tore his ACL. I think it was game three of his senior year, so he was done. Um, and then, like I said, we had five quarterbacks to choose from, so uh, we had a, a couple juniors and a couple sophomores, and then Allen on the freshman team. And uh, long story short, we we chose Allen Bowman to be the starting quarterback. You know, uh, game four. Uh, of his freshman year, you know, not even playing any JV reps, went straight from the freshman team to uh, to the varsity starter. And uh, all the other quarterbacks transferred. So uh, that following spring after his freshman year, uh, he, he quarterbacked both both teams in the spring game. He quarterbacked the red team and the blue team. Uh, he was the only quarterback in the room. So, uh, but, uh, yeah, just developed an unbelievable relationship with Alan Bowman and uh, the type of leader that he came and he really – transformed that program took that program on his back and uh you know he, he just he's just one of my favorite he's my guy you know he's one of my favorite dudes of all time he, he he's he's him you know and uh <laughs> uh love him to death and uh you know you know y'all know his journey as well you know the, the texas tech and coaching change and being hurt and injured and all those things uh so he's had a long journey to get where he's at but uh 
you know, uh, I'm not as smart as Coach Gundy and those guys, obviously, but, uh, you know, if I'm there, he's my guy, hands down, no questions asked. Yeah, Coach, uh, you said something interesting, and obviously you see it a lot with Power 5 guys. They're starting their freshman year in high school, but at what point in there did you know Allen not only had the talent to play Division One, but he had the talent to start at Power 5 program? Yeah, you know, so we're in a – it's either his first or his second start. Uh, we're in a tight district ball game, and, uh, you know, we weren't very good that year, honestly. We didn't have a whole lot of talent around him uh, when we got there. Um, but we're in a tight ball game, and uh, I think he, he – we call a play, and he, he misses a wide-open post or uh, something bad happens, you know, something, something not great happens, and we end up having to settle for a field goal. And, uh, you know, Coach Jackson, our head coach, is upset. You know, he's pretty animated on the sideline. And, uh, you know, got this 14-, 15-year-old ginger, you know, trotting off the field. And, uh, you know, Jackson's Coach Jackson's fired up. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to calm, calm him down so he doesn't rip our, you know, our freshman cue. And uh, he, the ginger jogs over to the sideline and he says – you know, basically it's all good. And he, and he actually tapped, he taps coach Jackson on the butt and he said, coach, I got this. Don't worry about it. You know? So, uh, you know, 14 year old kids telling the head coach, Hey, it's, it, it's go time. Chill out. <laughs> I got it. You know? And I was like, all right, this, this dude's got it. You know, he's got the moxie. He's got the poise. Uh, he's got the confidence. He's got the locker room, you know, all those, all those intangibles. And, uh, and then he really honed his skills in, um, you know, throwing the football, and he he was a film junkie. So I would say, you know, about the spring of his freshman year, after that after that first year got through, and I really saw his work ethic. I thought, you know, he's got a chance to be something really special. He's had quite the quarterback, the the mentors in his career. I understand he had some growing up, and then he he hit a pretty impressive trifecta in college with Kingsbury, Harbaugh, and now Gundy. Yeah, yeah, he's uh. You know, he 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 went out there and trained with, you know, the Whitfields and the Lavelle Dur Durant's and those type guys. So he's, you know, he's been exposed to, like you said, some of the some of the top minds in, in college football and, and, and in the quarterback world. Um, so I think he's, you know, um, I think he's well prepared to, to handle any situation. Um, he's a coach on the field. You know, he – uh, it probably took him probably a month and a half, probably when he walked in the door at Oklahoma State to to know the offense front and back. He's just a film junkie, and uh, he you know he's a student of the game, and he he soaks it up. And that was his best asset, you know. That was his best asset um, for us. Um, is he he was an extension. Of, uh, you know, I just called check, and we'd check about three plays at the line of scrimmage. He get he get us in the right play, you know, as a 15, 16 year old kid at the high school level. So, um, and I think. All of those things helped him walk in as a as a true freshman at at Texas Tech, you know. Um, plus, it was similar offensively, schematically, you know, his air raid. We were air raid. All those things helped. But um, yeah, he just he just doesn't get rattled. He just he just you know he's always he's always in control of the situation and uh, believes in himself and uh, is ready to make the next play. Coach, when we were talking last week um, about getting you on the pod and stuff, you called Alan Bowman one of the best leaders you had been around. Talk to me a little bit about the character from him that you've seen off the field. Yeah, you know, he 
he's just uh he's just you know the, the best compliment i can give a kid is you know if i had a daughter um <laughs> you know i wouldn't mind him being my son-in-law you know what i mean he, that, that's the type of kid he is uh in the building you know he was he was the type of kid that that you know seeked out uh maybe you know a struggling kid or or somebody that uh you know uh needed needed a hug or a pat on the back and uh needed some words of encouragement um whether that be uh, you know uh a special needs kid whatever whatever the situation is you know he he found those kids uh and took time out of his day you know to really you know go take a picture with them or or you know help them down the hallway or you know buy him lunch what, whatever it is he he was that type of he was that type of kid uh and he really changed the face uh, like i said of, of grapevine football um because of the type of person he was you know and uh, he has a great uh you know great family situation his dad you know uh ex penn state player and all those things but just great just great human beings you know just just people that are you know you never heard alan say a bad word about anybody he wasn't he wasn't the cocky, you know. I'm, I'm the big man on campus, you know. I'm, I'm my nose is up in the air. He, he, he's never been that type of kid, um, you know. I actually went up to Oklahoma State, took some kids up there for a camp this summer, and uh, the kicker's dad came up to me, and I can't remember his name. I wish I could recall his name, but the kicker's dad comes up to me and says, you know, Alan Bowman, you know, he he seeked my kid out in the locker room. He knows the kicker's name. No. No quarterbacks ever known my son's name before Alan Bowman, you know, and I think that's I think that's the testament of you know uh, the what kind of leader that kid is. He's not a kid anymore; he's a man. But well, coach, to kind of look at this current situation, quarterback battles are never easy, especially mentally for a kid. And, and I think uh, talking with former quarterbacks, you learn a lot about yourself in a situation like this. And uh, after a week they had, you know, there were. There were some boos thrown out. It, it, it's hard. I guess point being, it, it's hard. How have you seen Allen when he was playing for you? How do you see him handle situations when it's not going easy? Yeah, I think you know. Um, I always talk to our quarterbacks about this, but I, I think he's he's the type of kid that's gonna you know, uh, regardless of the situation, he's gonna he's gonna take the blame and and give the credit. You know, and I think that's. Again, that's a testament to his character. He's he's never going to uh, you know he's never going to publicly uh, point the finger at anybody. He's you know he's gonna you know he gets the crap knocked out of him. I've seen it you know happen multiple times. You know, O lineman let somebody come clean and he gets the crap knocked out of missing protection or whatever. And you know he's he's up and uh, you know he, he's patting him on the back, telling him you know he loves him. Let's go. You know that that he's that type of kid. So. Um, I really think he's built. He's built to handle the situation that he's currently in, uh, and I think you know. I think he'll, you know, the cream rises to the top. I think eventually, you know, uh, like you said, maybe I didn't get to watch the game. Uh, I was out of town, and they didn't. I didn't have coverage where I was at, but so I really don't know exactly how it all transpired. You know, uh, from from his play. You know, I don't really know how he played. I guess is what I'm saying, but. Um, uh, I think that, you know, when it's all said and done, he's going to be the guy that's going to help them, you know, uh, hopefully win a Big 12 championship or something like that. He, he's he, he's the guy that's going to uh, take 
the you know the chicken crap and make chicken salad out of it you know that that type that type of guy Coach, I know for me, being around you since 2019 when I was down there in Palestine, just talking to you, you're pretty much one of the more insightful coaches that I know I've been able to talk to. From your perspective, when you're trying to sort through which person is best to lead, lead the offense, um, what are you looking for when you're trying to you know, dissect the quarterback position? I think, you know, obviously, you know, the arm ta- all all of those guys at that level have you know are very very talented individuals obviously um from from an athletic perspective um but i think you know number one you know who has the locker room who who the guy who can who can make everybody else around him better you know um who has the locker room who who do they want to play you know i'm sure that like i said all of those guys have these these qualities, but who you know? Who do those guys want to play for? Who who will they go the extra mile for? Who they who will they run run through a wall for? You know, who will they? We t- we talk about all the time. You know, who will they take a bullet for? Will they lay in traffic for you? You know that that's the type of guy that you're looking for to be the face and be the leader of your program. And um, again, I don't know I don't know the other two guys, but I know I know seven. Uh, you <laughs> know, I know I know AB, and I know what he's about, and uh, you know, that's that's the guy, you know, quote unquote, I wanna, you know, I wanna put my my career on the line for, you know, if that makes sense. Coach, when you were when you were coaching Allen, if you made just like a short list, what what are his bona fide strengths when it comes to quarterback? Uh you know the mental obviously the mental aspect of his game, number one. Um uh, like I said, he he's a true coach on the field. He knows for, for us, and I'm sure it, it's very similar to what he's dealing with now. Uh, he called the protections. He told every he told everybody else what to do, where to sit, uh, where the blitz was coming from, what route, you know, what read, what check. I mean, he handled the whole the whole situation uh, from from that perspective. So you know, I think the the mental side of it is probably the number one most important thing. Um, number two, the leadership, like I said. Um, and you want – don't get me wrong, you know, the arm talent and all those things, he, he's a pocket – you know, he's a pocket-type guy. He's not a quote-unquote dual-threat kid at all, you know. That's not that's not his game. But, uh, you know, I think, he, I think he can extend plays because of his awareness, his pocket presence and his pocket awareness. He can extend plays – and get the ball out, you know, um, but he's not a, he's not a zone read type kid, you know, all those type things. But uh, as y'all know, but um, yeah, I think, you know, the mental, mental aspect of the game, um, um, you know, and leadership are probably the top two. And then, uh, you know, the third one would be the locker room, you know. What, what's your best Alan Bowman memory? What's the best <laughs> moment he's given you? Oh man. Alan Bowman memory. <laughs> Those are those are a lot of them. Um, <laughs> man, you know the one I spoke of earlier is pretty is a pretty core one. You know, uh, being that young. Um, but I but I would say uh, here's one. You know, so my I got to see him play for the first time live at Texas Tech against West Virginia um, when he got hurt when he punctured his lung the first time. And, 
you know, so, so he gets hit, right? He gets folded over and, uh, he's going up the tunnel, whatever. And he's coming, he's coming back out, trying to throw again, you know, all those type things. Anyway, they end up taking him to the hospital. I get there, I leave the game early, uh, to get to the hospital with him and, um, you know, and he's having a hard time breathing or whatever that, you know, they're trying to, trying to diagnose him. Uh, and I get there to check on him and, uh, you know, his first question is, you know, did we win? You know, that's the, that's the <laughs> type of, he wasn't worried about himself. He's worried about the team, you know? Uh, so that, that's probably, that's probably very indicative of the, the type of kid he is, uh, the type of young man he is. So, uh, that, that's probably a core memory, you know, for me too. And, and coach King walks in and, you know, shakes his hand and basically he said, you know, he says, you know, you're a tough SOB, you know, like he, he wanted to go back on the field. They had to pull his helmet, you know? Uh, but, uh, there's so many great memories, you know, uh, playoff runs and all those type things that, you know, uh, Allen in the locker room, you know, uh, so many great memories those four years. All right, Coach Bishop. Well, I for sure appreciate you joining us. Um, another another special shout out to Westwood Panthers and everything you guys are doing down there um in Palestine. I appreciate you, Dwan. Sure. Sure miss uh sure miss you covering Westwood Athletics. I know that. <laughs> well, I appreciate it, Coach. Um, like I told like I told you last week, I wouldn't have been able to get to this position without you. Well, appreciate you, man. Good luck to y'all. Uh, give A.B. a shout-out. All right, then. Appreciate it, Coach. All right, we'll see you.